morning. Praise the Lord. Yes, praise Jesus. Responding to God. Wow. What a good subject. That'll be our theme today. Responding to God. God initiates and then he he initiates, we respond and relate to God. Wow. Uh, Your life changes by God's grace because Christ came into this world to give us abundant life, a new life, a life we would never have if we are left by ourselves. He really does this. He really does. Turn to your neighbor and just say, he really does this. He really does. Go ahead. Tell your neighbor. He does. Yes, he does. There's a verse, Psalm 40. We'll move around a little bit. This is a short message in the beginning. Then we have communion today. But I always like to start the service off. We worship and then go right at Jesus, talk about Jesus and turn to the word and think about Jesus Christ. That's why we came. Amen. And Jesus is here anointing us and dwells in each of you. You are called by God's grace. You have a calling. You are called. Really? You are called. Wait, what do you mean? My job? No, you are called to God. You are called to God. God has called you to himself. John seventeen twenty four, Father, that they would be where I am, Jesus said, that they would be where I am. Not just geographically, that will happen. We will be with Jesus in heaven, but they will be where I am in a spiritual way. They will be with me in their mind, in their heart, in the spirit. They would be where I am, right? We would be with him. You know, my wife and I, we used to live separately because I was on the mission field. I was living in Hungary, and she was living here in Baltimore. And we would talk on the phone, but we got very close to each other. Though we were physically not together, we were in different countries, but I was loving her so much because of what she was doing. I loved her so much, and I knew her. I knew her like she, I trusted her. I always did, but it was even stronger, like, oh, this woman is amazing. And she loved me and trusted me. I am where she is, not geographically, but I am with her. I am with her. And that's like our church life, too. We are with, we are in church life. We are with God. We are with each other. So um, look at Psalm 40, and this is about the Messiah, this prophecy. Verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you not that you did not desire. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears hast thou opened. 
Another version, my ears you have dug. You have dug my ears out. You've dug out my ears. Opened my ears. You opened my ears. So turn to that story in Mark 7. Please, we'll read this in Mark 7. There was a man deaf and dumb. Chapter 7, verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. We're, We're going there. We're going to Israel the end of October and for a week and eight days with a group. And maybe you can go sometime before your life ends, before it's over, maybe before and we will come back to Israel back with Jesus one day. If he doesn't come, well, well, we'll be with him. Verse 32, And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers into his ears, and he spit And touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell, tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished saying he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Just a couple points about this story. If you could, with me, believe that there was a time in your life when you were also deaf and dumb. This is deaf, meaning you can't hear, right? The Messiah had his ears opened. God opened his ear. God didn't want sacrifice and offering. Like this is how you could live. You could just say, I just sacrifice and I do my offerings as a Christian, you know, but I'm not hearing, but I just do my sacrifice and offering. But God is saying, I don't care about your offering and sacrifice. I want your ears opened. That's more important to me, that your ears would be open, that you could hear me. You'd have new hearing. That's what I'm looking for, new hearing. Now, there, there is a man, I'll write, that, write down his name, and, uh, Andrew Brunson, who was, is a um, um, Presbyterian Pastor was a missionary. A missionary in Izmir, Turkey, was arrested on trumped-up charges and imprisoned for two years. He got he's released and he's living here in the states now. And he's doing podcasts and he's talking about Christians getting prepared for persecution. Christians getting prepared in America. 
that he believes that there will be a wave of persecution against Christians in America. And he said some very interesting things from his own experience. And he said when he was in prison, he lost hope a few times. He was depressed. He said, the hardest thing for me was I lost the presence of God. It seemed like God wasn't there. It seemed like he wasn't speaking to me. It seemed like the, I lost intimacy with God. It seemed like, where is God? It's like Job chapter 23. But then he said, but I, I decided, I decided, like this is a key, even if I turn 1% to God, I just, if, if that's all my capacity is, I just turn to God in my heart and say, you love me. I don't, it's hard to believe, but I believe. And he just trusted. And he talks about his experience and, and how important it is to learn in your troubled times to relate to God. How important it is to become a hearer. And hear, not necessarily, we, we, our message a little later this morning we'll share is about this, this picture about the, there's like a plane that you live on, which is the natural life, your natural life, your job, your bills, your, your personality, your, disappointments, your successes, what you want, what you desire, what you lose, what you gain. Your heart, house burns down. I think Kevin Schmelzer and Heather had not exactly, but uh, their apartment caught on fire. Um, car accidents, problems with your children. Life. This is life. Just like this brother was in prison and it was unjust. But he was told he had three life sentences. That means like he'll never get out. And he had children and his wife, and, and he was just broken. He said, I broke down. And even my health, I lost 50 pounds. My health was breaking down. And I was so down, I was so down. And you would say, oh, no, no, God would be there and comfort him. But he said, it, did. it wasn't like that. It was like the opposite. But he said, I had to decide what I believed about God. Was he for me or not? Is he alive? Does he care? And opening my ears, this is a different kind of ear. And I, I'll draw it this way. This is another plane. This is, and one brother shared with me after the morning's nine o'clock service. He said, that's what happened to me like 51 years ago. Like somebody told me about Jesus. And he said, I just, he said, I had an experience where I, I felt, I experienced another reality. Of, of peace and love, and I experienced it. That's what he said to me. So when Jesus has a man who cannot hear, it's kind of like us. And a man who cannot speak, or he speaks with impediment. 
he can't speak that well. And he takes that man and takes him aside. And he spits. And he touches his tongue. And the man's life is changed. That's what I'd like you to think, that that's your life and my life. Because without Jesus, we really can't hear and we can't speak as we ought to. We can't share our faith. Uh, we can't talk and glorify God. Because we're so disappointed on the first level. But the, the main theme of our message today is that I want you to believe that there's something more for you. And you might not get it immediately. Another interesting thing about this story is that, uh, that when Jesus took him aside, he like did a, he did a thing. I'm going to read a paragraph about how he did it. He said, this is um, when Jesus took the man aside and he did it that way, and like he did miracles in different ways, just so that we wouldn't think it was the way he did it as much as it was he that did it. It wasn't, okay, we, we'll package this program. He always spits. He always spits. Whenever he heals somebody, he always spits. Like, no. He does it this way. Another time he speaks and the man another house, the centurion's servant is healed, only say the word. Another time he is uh, walking on the water. Another time he blesses the bread and everybody is fed. Uh, another time he curses the fig tree and 24 hours later it is dried up. Uh, so he's saying, it's not the technique or the method, it's me that's doing this. Keep our eyes on him. So this writer, Ryle, says, he is pleased to work by the word preached publicly, sometimes by the word read privately. Like sometimes you come to the church and you hear the word and you just go out of the room saying, that was amazing. I heard. I heard the word. That word, I'm taking it home. That word was amazing. And then another time you're home reading the word and it's private, and he speaks to you. Sometimes he awakens people by sickness and affliction. We've all met Christians who kind of wake up when they get sick, where they have problems. They wake up. Sometimes he awakens us by his goodness. He employs preaching to turn people out of the way of sin, Sometimes he arrests their attention by some providence without any preaching at all. Maybe a car accident or something happens and you go, whoa, I need to relate to God. I need to hear from him. I would like to know what is God saying. What is God saying from the word, right? So this is respond you sometimes just respond to the horizontals. Sometimes we only respond to our troubles. But in this story, when he opens up the ears, the man 
is now hearing Jesus. And he's realizing Jesus is the one that's speaking to me. It's Jesus who changed my ears. It's Jesus who changed my speech. And for us as believers, we do have another speech. We do have other things that we talk about. Not simply the Ravens or the Steelers or the economy or politics or Fox News or some, something in the, in, the, in the world, but we have something to say that comes from our prayer time. It comes from our heart. It's a new, a new speech, a new ears, a new heart. And so uh, we respond. We, we say, we re, another way of saying it is, we react to life, but we respond to God. That's a good, good word. We react in life, you know. Oh, I can't believe that happened to me. And then you are just like in this prison in Turkey. And he's just saying, this is so disappointing. Will I ever see my children again? Will I ever see, will I ever get out of here? And then he just decides, I'm going to respond to God with my heart. And he said he just started at times just to praise God, even though he felt the way he felt, and sometimes danced even. And he's in a cell with others that are political criminals and so on, and, and he's just, just making decisions. And the Lord led him through. And he said, after I look back at it, I can see the grace of God with me. I didn't feel it at the time, but I can see it. It was God that brought me through that. It was God that gave me peace. It was God that kept my heart and mind together. And I just want to let help you understand that Jesus has also taken you aside and he has done something so that you could become a hearer and also a communicator of things that are not seen but that are here with us. That is God's love and God's work of grace. Amen. Could you turn to your neighbor and just say a word or two to them about this short message? Okay, you may be seated. So, Paula, is your mom with you? Good to have you, Mrs. Katrupi. Nice to have you here. And then we have the Knights here, Pastor Rick and Jen. Good to have you. Other visitors here. We have, we've got some new folks here, I think. Did we do that already? Okay. Well, great to have you. All right, turn to Isaiah 54, verse 8. This is like 10, 15-minute message. And it's on responding, responding to God. Before we, we read it, uh, I want you to make a note of September 19th. We have a special guest. That's a Tuesday. The church is open for this event. Mark DeMoss, who is a, 
experienced Christian public relations professional, has worked with Billy Graham, Liberty University, Crew Campus, Willow Creek, Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A, Samaritan's Purse, and others. He'll be with us for the day. So we'll have a 10, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning staff meeting, 11 hour. Grace Hour will be here in the chapel, lunch, Bible class in the evening. So he'll be with us giving advice and counsel, and we'll have a good time with him. So we look forward to that. So you're welcome. Have you ever felt like God has forsaken you? Have you ever felt that maybe, I know I believe in him, but we're not, we don't have that much of a relationship with each other. Like, I believe he loves me, I believe he saved me, but I don't really have much intimacy with him, or I don't feel it. And and I understand uh that that happens to all of us at different times. I think some believers are are feeling very close to God, and they indeed they may be, and we appreciate that. But I want you to read this verse with me, Isaiah 54, <clears throat> verse 8. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Look at verse 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. Who is he speaking to? Israel, the nation. Not an individual, but it can apply. I think Jesus had that happen in his life, for sure. Nobody was closer to the Father as Christ was. Nobody was as intimate, as obedient, as submitted and alive, because he had no sin, and the Father was with him and in him, and he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Christ was, you could say, firing on all cylinders. He was God incarnated in a human being. And we saw his power and his wisdom, his love. We saw his heart. We love it. But then we also know that he was deeply affected in Gethsemane. When it, when it started to happen, the horribleness, the terror, it just horrible. Just think of a horrible thing that would traumatize you. If you saw somebody you loved killed in front of your face, murdered, well, how horrifying, traumatizing. Well, Jesus was in Gethsemane and this terror it started to come upon him as he knew what it meant to take the sins of the world upon him. And hardly can we imagine what that was and what it meant. So we have Jesus and the Father and the plan 
And then we have Israel and the Lord saying, And for a small moment I have forsaken you, but I gather you with my mercy. There's another reality that we need to realize, and that's Jeremiah 31.3. I've loved you with an everlasting love. That God is a love. He would never forsake us. Hebrews 13.5. But also, also, isn't his absence part of our training? Isn't when, when life isn't the way we would like it to be spiritually or otherwise that we are, we are, we have a decision to make? We have to make decisions about that. And that's really relating to this, um, this uh, picture here. If we can put it up, this one. I don't know if it, I lost connection or what. Have I? I guess I have. You don't know how to do it? What? Okay. Okay. All right. Great. So, in one sense, in one sense, it's so easy just to react to the world we live in we react, but but actually we have an advantage. We have an advantage because we have God. We have God in our life. We are born of God. We have the Spirit of God. We have an advantage. Yeah, but I don't feel God. Yes, but you have the mind of God, the Spirit of God. You have God. God with you. God is with you. But it feels like for a small moment he has forsaken me. He is not I don't I don't feel that. That's what happened to this brother in prison in Turkey was the same thing. And he just said that I had to decide even one degree, just change, just turn one degree toward God and relate to him. And in a sense, kind of determine in my heart, who is he? What does he have to say to me? So let's turn to um, Psalm 139 and use this as a model for our lives because it can be it can relate to other doctrines. We have the doctrine of God, which, you know, oh, we can just draw it this way, this omni, this all omni um, presence is the first one in this psalm, omnipresence. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have searched me and known me. Yes, Lord, you know how weak I am. You know how I don't care. You know my indifference. You know my temptations. 
You know my sins. You know when I fail. You know my bad habits. Yes, Lord, you've searched me, and you know me. There's no hiding from you. You are God. And I re- I'm coming before you. See, this is one degree. It's just one degree. It's an, it's an attitude. You can search me. What's the opposite attitude? I'm hiding from him. I don't want to be involved. I don't care. Leave me alone. I'm not listening to you. I'm not talking to you. I don't care about you. That's that, that attitude. And you can have that attitude. If you have it, why not bring it to God? Say, God, I don't care about you. I'm not listening to you. I do not care. But do you care about me? But are you God? Are you God? Can you help me? That's, that's just a decision. That's all that it is. It's a decision. If you and I begin to live our life making those decisions in our heart, then we're on the right road. In your light, I will see more light. Just a little. I was on a lake one time in Finland, a big lake, and I looked it was night out, it was dark, it was in the summer, but the light, sun goes down late and all that. But I saw far away a light across, way down the end, far away a light. If I go in that light, I will see more light. If I just go towards that light, I will see more light. That's all. What will you see? Well, you can say, God has forsaken me for a moment. Yes, for a moment. But he knows you. And he searches you. And he cares about you. All right. So this is how it starts. Verse 2. You know my down-sitting, my uprising. You understand my thought far off. You compass my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, you know it all together. You set beset me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Question, is the omnipresence of God wonderful to you? Huh? It was for him. It was that I'm open and I'm not hiding anything. You know all things. You are everywhere. This is responding. You see, the principle is it's like here we are in our world, but then we have this this response to truth. That's where you want to learn to live. Responding to truth. That's where, that's where the Holy Spirit is in your heart, in your life. He's revealing truth to you. He's going to lead you when you feel forsaken for a moment, but then you have the rest of the verse. But with my mercy, I gather you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. 
And I know all things, everything about you. I know it all. And so there, there is Jesus taking you aside when you are deaf and dumb. And he's opening your ears and you start to learn to talk. And this is a, Paul said, pray for me that I would make known the mysteries of Christ as I ought to. It's like somehow we ought to speak a certain way. We ought to make things known. We ought to bring into this world things that, that cannot be seen. Now, people do not understand. And recently, I've, I've had this feeling in my heart that in America, we have what's called, we had this post, we had the secular world, and we could call it a post-secular, post-secularism. Like, we are, we've already did it. We did the secular thing. We did it all. You know, there, there is no God. We did it all. There is no God. The Christianity is a, doesn't, is an old religion. Uh, we did it all. Churches are, you know, we did it all. Okay, what did we get? We got high suicide rates. We got teenagers that are confused. We got a crazy world. We got a troubled world. You know what we need? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we need. We need to get humble and, and come before and start to respond to the God that really cares about us and give us wisdom, wisdom to love, wisdom to keep our family together, wisdom to care, wisdom to forgive, wisdom when we fail a lot, wisdom when we have addictions and stubborn sins that don't leave us, that stubborn sin that's hard to shake. Or, You know what I need? I need Jesus to take me aside and change my life and open my, my ears, dig out my ears, and, and give me a new language, a language of faith where we take the doctrines of omnipresence. The second one there in the in the psalm is omniscience. Um, uh, um, uh, yes, uh, omniscience. Um, this is verse. We didn't read seven. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Whither shall I flee from your presence? So we have omnipresence. Then we go to omniscience. If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. Make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. You have possessed my reins, you have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unimperfect, and in your book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. So we have omnipotence and then we have the omniscience. 
You know, I, all I mean by these words is just, it is a breakdown in the psalm, and all that I mean by it is, these are doctrines that the psalmist is relating to, and he's saying, these, these affect my life. They affect my life. Now, how does this work? I think you can take any doctrine, any doctrine or teaching that comes from God, and just relate to it and believe it, respond to it. And even without good, a lot of understanding about it, but just say in my heart, I, this is how I relate to, this is, what I, this is how I'm going to live, relating to this. The problem, the, to be very honest, I feel that the problem in the church in general is the lack of doctrine, a lack of doctrinal teaching, a lack of what, did I, what should I think, what should I believe, what should I base my life on. Uh, so there are churches that are not really opening the Bible, and then there are churches that may be very emotional and kind of go to church and get excited and have a good time, maybe a social event too. But that, that, that's not enough for the world we live in. There needs to be, there needs to be this kind, Psalm 139, and then he finishes, and we'll finish too. Read, read it. It says, verse uh, 17, How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them? I would say, my, how many thoughts about God do I have? Maybe I, I could say not many. How many thoughts about God do I have? Maybe many. How many thoughts about God? How do you get thoughts about God? They have to be put in you. They're put in you. The Holy Spirit puts them in you. But you have to hear it. Like taking this man aside and opening his ears so that he could start to hear. And that's how the thoughts of God go in you. They go, they go in you by our new ears. By also in our heart responding and believing. Lord, I do not believe much, but help my unbelief. That's good enough. That's good enough. How much faith do you need to live this life? Mustard seed. Mustard seed of faith. You don't need, don't put your eyes on the faith. Put your eyes on the Lord. And you have enough faith. You have faith. You know, a mustard seed of faith, a mustard seed will move a mountain, but we change it sometimes. You need a mountain of faith, and then maybe you can move a mustard seed. You're like, don't do that. But it's our nature. It's our nature on this level here, you know, the bottom level. It's our nature to be so pessimistic and, and so negative and so complaining and so suffering and so angry. I, I'm writing a book now with Debbie Colby. She's, helped, she's doing it, actually, and I'm working with her. But there was a time it, it came back to my memory about working in the tannery up in Maine, where I went to Bible school. 
And in the tannery, it was like a terrible place. This tannery was like out of a Charles Dickens novel. I mean, rats running around, people, big machines, people getting injured. Um, it actually did happen. Somebody died because of a chemical mistake in a big drum, and the gas poisoned the, the factory. I wasn't there at that time, but it was a crazy working place. Everybody's swearing and cursing and miserable and hated it, and I'm just all into I, mean, I go into work. And I just decided, I don't care about any of that. I don't care. I want to, I just decided I'm going to start praising God. I'm going to start singing and shouting. I'm going to start quoting Bible verses. I'm going to say, my life changed. My life changed. I had an amazing experience. I did. I had two years of victorious living. I'm not kidding was awesome because I kind of just made a decision. I'm going to go, I'm negative with everybody else and living on the first floor or I'm just by faith going to start praising God, praising God, singing, praising God, quoting Bible verses. I'm crucified with Christ and then be dramatic about it sometimes. I'm working at a machine. I am crucified with Christ. I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I just had fun with it. And it started to, like, come alive to me. I started to believe it. I, I, some of my stubborn sins dropped off. Attitudes changed. Because you have to ask the question, is the living God here with us? And does it mean anything? Let's finish. It says, he said, uh, go down to 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Isn't that what he said in verse 1? O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And at the end he says, keep it up. Search me. Yes, Lord. Stop. Turn it off. I will still trust you. Turn off the spigot. Turn off the faucet. I still will trust. I cannot feel you, but I still decide I will trust you. No matter what happens, I believe that you are for me and not against me. No matter what happens in my life, no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on. I mean, it's easy for me to say it as a preacher behind the pulpit. But I want to believe, just like this brother in Turkey, in his trial, when he was so down and depressed and sad, that he just said, I decided to turn one degree towards God and relate to him. And he said, now I look back at it and I see his grace was with me. He was enough. He was with me. He carried me. He did. He took care of me. And he taught me. And I learned something from it. Amen. Would you pray with me, please?
Lord, there are folks here today, this morning, who have come to this church with hungry hearts. And some have just come not knowing where they're going. But we want to say to them, it's no accident you are with us here this morning. We want to say to you that God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world for you. Christ suffered for you and was raised from the dead for you to bring you to God. Put your trust in him today. And say in your heart to Jesus, Jesus, I trust in you. Forgive me, save me, come into my life. I pray in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, then tell somebody before you leave today, we want to encourage you. God bless you. Amen.